Hello and welcome to Practicing English. And these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or IELTS from levels 4 to 7 or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Practicing English. And today's Friday, so that means it's story day. And the story I'm reading to you is The Tudor Conspiracy by M.A. Bilborough, and that's me. And you can find this book on all Amazon platforms. So it would be useful if you buy the book, you can read along and listen to these podcasts at the same time, as well as do the many exercises that you'll be able to find in the book. And today is chapter two. And as I did last week, I'm going to read you seven words from the chapter. And you need to listen and identify these words and think when they happen, who they happen to, or what is the situation. In other words, put them into context. And I'll write the answers of the context of these words on the transcript notes on my website. Right, the first word I have is bushy eyebrows. Bushy, spelled B-U-S-H-Y, and eyebrows. And that is the eyebrow, of course, is that hair above the eyes. And if they are bushy, that means the hair is exceptionally long, very long hair above the eyes. And the next word is jaw. And in the story, it says his jaw trembled. And jaw is spelt J-A-W. And the jaw is the lower part of the mouth, which is moved when we are eating or trembles usually because we are frightened of something or worried about something. His jaw trembled. And the next one is to nod. And to nod is to move your head up and down, um, usually when we are in agreement or in empathy with what somebody is saying. To nod, N-O-D. The next word is ornaments. And an ornament is an object that is used to decorate a room. And it's usually put on a shelf and maybe made of porcelain, something attractive to look at. An ornament. And the next word is a verb. It is to sip. S-I-P. Sip is when you drink taking a very small amount each time. Maybe because of the liquid in the glass or cup you are drinking from is very hot. The next word is another verb, which is to stammer, S-T-A-M-M-E-R. And that means to speak with difficulty, repeating sounds or words. Maybe, again, because we are frightened or worried. But, 
And the final word is an adjective, and it's stunning, S-T-U-N-N-I-N-G, and it means extremely attractive or impressive. So, stunning. Where do you hear that in the story? Write down the context. Okay, so I'm going to begin. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilborough. This recording is copyright. Chapter Two: Isabel's Mission. Mr. Fanshawe earned his living by buying and selling rare and antique books, and had offered Isabel a position as an assistant buyer. Mr. Fanshawe told Isabel places where she could search for potentially interesting examples. Some book hunting events that Mr. Fanshawe might recommend were at outdoor markets, which took place in streets, parks, or public buildings. Usually, the things on sale in these markets were useless and uninteresting to Isabel. But occasionally she would find a rare book of value. What Isabel found more attractive were living estate sales. When people want to sell their house, they will often need to sell the contents first: tables, chairs, beds, cupboards, wardrobes, ornaments, and even books. Isabel would especially visit living estate sales in large houses owned by wealthy people with libraries. What she looked for was to pick up a bargain, as Mister Fanshawe called it, to buy a cheap book that he could later sell to a book collector for a good profit. Isabel was not sure how Mister Fanshawe usually spent his days. He nearly always seemed to be in his shop. When Isabel saw him, he would be examining old books or talking on the phone to collectors or booksellers. Some people did visit his shop. However, this was a specialist bookshop, and people who were just passing and felt curious enough to come in and look around often left without buying anything. Many of the books. Were very expensive. On just two occasions, Isabel had accompanied Mister Fanshawe on a trip. These had been to two book fairs. They were events where specialist sellers and collectors of rare books got together to buy, sell, and talk about antique books. The fairs were held in large indoor venues. Like large hotels or exhibition halls, it was perhaps more difficult to find a bargain here, as the people at the fairs knew their trade very well. They were aware of the value of any rare books they had and the price they could sell them for. However, fairs were good places for networking, finding business contacts that might be useful in the future. Mr. Fanshawe knew most of the people there, and on both occasions he had met a man called 
Mr. Russell. Mr. Russell knew the sort of material Mr. Fanshaw was interested in, and would turn up at the fair with a dozen or more books. Where these books actually came from, Mr. Fanshaw was not sure. From mysterious sources, he would say. Mr. Fanshaw paid Mr. Russell in cash for several books at a price that would make each individual book quite profitable in his bookshop. Isabel said nothing during these transactions. She did not trust Mr. Russell, but her boss was not a fool and knew what he was doing. Isabel enjoyed her work. She had never been to London before working at Arthur's antique bookshop, and now she was travelling to many parts of the city, visiting and seeing places most tourists never saw. She met and talked to interesting people and began to build her own business contact list in the antique book market. She took notes on useful and relevant information she discovered about what collectors were looking for and which books were of value and why. There was one more aspect of Isabel's work that made it a particularly interesting experience for her. Mr. Fanshaw had once been a professor at Oxford University. He had spent his working life as a professor and lecturer in English literature, so had a vast knowledge of English writers and their works. On some mornings over tea, Mr. Fanshaw would show Isabel a new acquisition he had found a beautifully bound or exquisitely illustrated book on an early edition of an English classic. He would carefully turn over its pages and discuss its contents. He also liked to listen to what Isabel had learnt herself at university. He would nod appreciatively and then add some comments of his own. They would argue perhaps if their ideas differed, but Mr. Fanshaw was always respectful of Isabel's opinions, despite his obvious superior knowledge. The books of the English authors she had read or learnt about at university now became real and tangible. Medieval manuscripts about or by writers such as John Gower and Geoffrey Chaucer passed through her hands. Once she had turned the stunningly beautiful illuminated pages of a 14th-century manuscript by Thomas Bradwardine. Then there were the more recent works by English novelists and poets such as Thomas Hardy, Robert Browning and Lord Byron. Early editions she could pick up, open and read. Isabel knew she was lucky to be so close to these treasures. Mr. Fanshaw sipped his hot tea and looked thoughtfully into his cup. What did they teach you about Shakespeare at your university, Isabel? Isabel thought she was being tested and suddenly felt uncomfortable. The shop was beginning to warm up from the heat of the electric fire. She unwrapped the scarf from her neck and took it off. That he was probably one of the greatest playwrights the world has ever known. 
Isabel answered. She hoped it was a good answer. I see, said Mr. Fanshawe. Which Shakespeare plays have you read? Actually, Isabel answered enthusiastically, I like Shakespeare very much. I think I've read most of his plays. I love memorizing quotes from his works. The language is so beautiful. In fact, I'd like to specialize in Shakespearean studies. That sounds wonderful, said Mr. Fanshawe approvingly. So here's another question for you. Which was Shakespeare's last play? And he looked at Isabel closely under his bushy eyebrows. Isabel did not know the answer, but she thought she could make an intelligent guess. Was it Henry VIII? she asked. That's a good guess, Isabel, Mr. Fanshawe answered, while nodding his head. Henry VIII would have been the king who lived not long before Shakespeare was born. King Henry VIII died in 1547, just 17 years before Shakespeare was born in 1564. And it's true that many scholars believe Henry VIII was the last play Shakespeare wrote. Perhaps he didn't write it alone. Many people believe there was another contributor. But when we think of the Henry VIII play, we usually associate it with Shakespeare. Isabel was pleased that she had given the right answer. Then Mr. Fanshawe looked away from Isabel's eyes and instead looked towards the books on his shelves. He stopped smiling and his face became more serious. However, he said, I think there was possibly another play. Another Shakespeare play, probably written after the Henry VIII play, that nobody knows about. Isabel did not think about what she was saying this time. She was too surprised at this news. Another Shakespeare play? But, but, that would be, she stammered. Is earth-shattering the word you're looking for, Isabel? interrupted Mr. Fanshawe. It's a good word. And yes, the existence of another Shakespeare play would be earth-shattering news in the literary world. There was another silence for a while. Mr. Fanshawe seemed to be waiting for her to say something. So, how do you know this? asked Isabel cautiously. I, uh... Mr. Fanshawe started. A friend of mine at Oxford University had been studying another play by Shakespeare, and this new play was hidden inside it. Wow, said Isabel in admiration. And what is the name of the play? Mr. Fanshawe turned his head and looked at Isabel again. Then he picked up the teapot and poured another cup of tea for Isabel and another one for himself. Isabel noticed his hand was shaking a little. The play is a history, and the name of the play is Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I, the last play by William Shakespeare.
Mr. Fanshawe put the teapot down carefully, but did not drink his tea. Instead, he stood up, walked across to the desk at the other side of the shop, and turned round. Isabel, you will find this play for me, he said authoritatively. Isabel immediately looked at Mr. Fanshawe, unaccustomed to the severe tone in his voice. She observed how his jaw trembled slightly, as though trying to keep some powerful emotion under control. Well, I, I could try, but why me? I've no idea where to look, she answered honestly. No, no, of course not, Mr. Fanishaw answered. His tone of voice suddenly became gentler again, and the tension in his face relaxed. Of course you wouldn't know. I'm sorry. This play is in the Bodleian Library in Oxford. You are a university research student and have certain privileges. You have a researcher's access card, you once told me. Yes, that's right, Isabel answered. I have. That means the librarian will give you access to the archives, said Mr. Fanshawe. Of course, the play will not have the title of Elizabeth I. It is hidden inside another play, as I said. It appears the pages of this new play are stuck between the pages of another. Henry VIII. I don't want to sound rude, interrupted Isabel, but why don't you go to the Bodleian Library yourself? You know what you are looking for. Surely it would be better if you went? Mr. Fanshawe's eyes focused on the wooden floor, and he put his hands in his trouser pockets, looking awkward. You are right, of course, he said quietly. As you know, I was once a professor at Oxford, or a don, as they say there. I taught English literature, but I left four years ago under unfortunate circumstances. I do not wish to go back. The profound silence returned to the shop for a while, and Isabel could now just make out the sound of the wind outside and raindrops on the shop window. Then Mr. Fanishaw continued. I have contacted a former employee of mine. He worked here with me doing the same work you are doing now as an intern. His name is Philip Dowell, and he runs the exhibition centre in the new Shakespeare Globe Theatre. It's a copy of the theatre where Shakespeare used to act. Philip is a nice chap and knows a lot about Shakespeare, though mostly from a historical point of view. I telephoned him last night and he has agreed to go with you to the Bodleian to find the Elizabeth I play. He is looking forward to meeting you, he said and looked up now, smiling at Isabel. Isabel was not sure what he meant by that smile, so she ignored it. Why not go and see him today? Mr. Fanshawe went on. It is not a good day for travelling to Oxford in this rain. You could get to know him today, and he will explain more to you about this play. Then you could both go to Oxford tomorrow. 
Furthermore, he added, you could see the Shakespeare's Globe. It is a fascinating place. They will be opening it to the public this year. Mr. Fanshawe paused as though he were planning what to say next. The important thing is not to keep it a secret. I want you to tell the people at the Bodleian you are looking for the Elizabeth the First play. But, but do not tell them I sent you. That is all I ask. That's the end of chapter two. Until next Friday. Bye for now. 